grace, mercy, and peace be to you. From God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the Gospel lesson, the account given to us by Luke of the healing of the ten lepers. Well, a student came out of a classroom and the principal came by and saw that the student had kind of a dour look on his face. And so the principal, in a very caring way, said, how are we doing today? And the student replied, awful. I just can't learn everything that this math teacher wants me to get. I can't understand logarithms and postulates and all this other stuff. It doesn't make any sense. And so the principal smoothly and comfortably said, well, I'm sure we can't find it all that bad, can we? And the student said, well, sure, you can say that because the you half of we doesn't have to relearn this stuff like the me half of we does. <laughs> the principal talked about things with unity, but the student recognized the division. Unity in the midst of division. It really kind of summarizes today. Today is a, a day really of unity, right? It doesn't matter what political side you're on, who, what teams you follow, where you live, what your background is. We all agree we should take time to pause and give thanks for what we have. And yet, we also remember that there is division. I found that interesting as I looked at the text coming up this week with, with that idea of unity, that we have these ten lepers, and, and as they are healed, there is unity, but there's also division. And it really raises the question, where, where is true unity to be found? We, we want unity, but, but where do we look for that unity? And, and, and what is the real answer? And our Lord brings it about, really. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back over this, word, over this passage, verse by verse, and we're going to look at that, that foul trace, that division of unity. What is it that, that unites, and what is it that can unite for good? So, so we start back with the beginning. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Right away, Luke highlights the division, right? Jesus is going along between Samaria and Galilee. We're reminded of the division that takes place between the Jews and the Samaritans. They absolutely hated one another. And they were not united in any way together. They wouldn't worship together. They wouldn't live together. They wouldn't even walk through the other's region. And yet Luke tells us that there are ten men there. At least one of them, we find out later, is a Samaritan. This group of ten is united, even as Jews and Samaritans. What, what unites them? Misery. Misery loves company is the old phrase, right? But, but in their misery, they, they being ostracized or quarantined from their family, them being separated from one another. And keep in mind, the disease of leprosy isn't only an illness that, that quarantined you, it, you were also labeled as one who was unclean. And so the, both groups recognizing that they were unclean, all of them realizing and being told that we were unclean, all those other ideas of being clean and unclean that we think of in a normal day, those are all set aside. It, it's in their misery that they are united. And that happens. That, that crosses generations, that crosses ages, that crosses continents, right? I mean, we have a divided country on so many ways, but as we look at our history, there are times we've come together. Classic example is World War II. The, no matter what the divisions prior to it, the arguments going on before it, when it finally happened, the nation was united. Even in 9-11, after that, the nation was united. It happens within families, families that, that many times are, are, are disagreeing 
When, when something happens within the family, they, they kind of come together. And, and there's a re- reason for this. Because often in difficulty, we are reminded of what's truly important. How much that divides us is, is really not that important. It may seem important to us at the time, but in the overall scheme of things, how important truly is it? And sometimes in moments of difficulty, we, we get that perspective. And so there is this idea of, of misery or difficulty or struggling bringing us together. But the question I'd raise at the beginning, how long does it last? But we continue on with the text. And lifted up, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they're united in their call for mercy, Right? That they share the same need and they're able to express that need together. They're even united in where to go for the answer. They've heard of this Jesus and their hope is together, collectively, that Jesus can do something for them. They're united. But what are they really united in? They're united in their desperation. They've tried everything else, no doubt. Maybe Jesus can help. Together, collectively, they, they, they are united. Isn't it interesting that difficulty and desperation can bring those enduring suffering together. And again, we can think about our own cases. We, we are united in our call for help. Difficulty also humbles us. When we go through suffering or difficult time, are we not reminded that, that we cannot do it on our own? Our, our, pray, our pride gets pushed to the side. And isn't it ultimately, if you think about those things that divide us, how often is it the pride that's getting in the way? And when that pride is removed, there's an opportunity to gather together in common cause. But again, I would ask, how long will this unity last? But we continue on. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. The unity is continuing. Jesus sees them together in the same situation. He sees them all as, as lepers who are unclean, who are in need of mercy, and he gives them mercy. He heals them all. As they turn and follow his instructions, as he says, go show yourselves to the priest, they all went and they were all cleansed. Jesus treats them the same. Their, their problem is the same. Their solution is the same. The same solution is found in Christ. And here our Lord begins to bring about a unity. And again, that's where our unity really is to be found. Is it night? Not. You see, we are united in a way that we sometimes forget. We're all united as sinners. We all fail. We all deserve God's condemnation. As we gather here today, did we not confess together our sinfulness? And as you're reading that confession, are you not reminded of your failure to live the way you're supposed to? Your failure to live before God, your failure to live with your neighbor, with your family, with your friends, the way that God has intended, with the full love that you are to express. We all stand before the Lord completely, totally, and utterly condemned. And yet we are united in the solution. The solution is Christ. He's died for you. Each and every one of you, he's died for all of us. He has died for the world. He has died for all people so that that sin could be paid for once and for all. And he has risen so that all might have life and all might have salvation. And he makes this salvation available in the same way to all people through the announcement of the gospel. So it's available to all. Whoever hears and believes that Jesus suffered, died, and rose for them, they have that salvation. We are united in that. 
And that's greater than the union that we have in sin. The, the, the true unity, the true union is found in the love and the salvation that God has given us. But it's rather striking that at this point, the division takes place again. Right? We pick it up in verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed and turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Isn't it interesting that it's in the healing that division shows itself? But notice the division isn't along the lines of the earthly division before. They're not separated because of their background and their culture. They're separated for another reason. It's interesting, only one of them comes back to thank the Lord. The rest continue on. And we can understand it, right? We can make excuses for the other nine. I mean, if you're in that situation, I'm not sure how many of us would have made the right choice here, right? You're excited to go and get healed, as Jesus told them. Excited to be back with the family. Want to go back and, and to live, and we may, while we may understand it, Jesus makes very clear that they failed to come back and give thanks as they should. Jesus is quick to point it out. And what's surprising to the hearers and to those who saw this was which of the ones that decided to come back came back with a Samaritan. The, the least likely to come back is the one who actually comes and gives thanks. But the Lord uses them as an example and as a calling that this is what we are to do. We are to give thanks. And this is consistent with that throughout the Old Testament. Boy, you read through the Psalms. How many Psalms are calling upon us to give thanks to the Lord? Time and time again, God calls upon us to give thanks. And it's only the Samaritan that does. And again, as we think about the divisions that take place within our country, pause today and we're united to, giving thank, to give thanks but this is where the division starts to reoccur, right? Who are people giving thanks to today? We're not all giving thanks to the same God. Some are not giving thanks to God at all. Some are giving thanks to, to another God. How many are giving thanks to the God who's the creator, the savior, the redeemer? But we also have to be careful when we raise this, right? Because then it's easy for us to get up on our high horse and say, hey, look at me, I'm here at 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm here on Thanksgiving doing what I'm supposed to be. Where's everybody else? We are to remind ourselves that as we see the nine going away, how often in our life are we more the nine than the one? It's real easy for us to fail to give thanks as well, is it not? We get really busy in our life. We fail to give thanks. And if we're honest with ourselves, how much, how much more quickly are we to pray to the Lord for help than we are to give thanks? And how often do we remember to say thank you after he does? It's real easy for us to just get caught up in, in all those things, even when things are going well, to forget. But that's why we're here today, isn't it? Because we want to give thanks. We know that the Lord calls upon us to give thanks. But ultimately, it's the Lord who enables us to give thanks. Because that's what we see in this last verse. Again, Jesus said to him, Arise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus makes clear what distinguishes this man from the rest. It's his faith. He trusts in the Lord. He is commended for the faith that he has. It's that faith that brought him back. 
his trust in the Lord, that that isn't just about the cleansing of the leprosy. It's, it's a cleansing, a recognition that this one who can cleanse me from leprosy can cleanse me from my sins. This is the one who can truly save me, not for a moment and not from a physical ailment, but, but forever. And, and that's where true unity is found. It's found in him. Notice that, that in this faith, he is united to the Lord as he worships at his feet. He has union with Christ. As we gather here today and you offer your thanks to God, you are united with him. He comes to you in the word, announces your forgiveness, and you belong to him. And as each of us belongs to him, we belong to one another. That's where true unity is found. It's found in the love of Christ. All those other attempts that we make in, in bringing about unity, they all fall apart in this world, do they not? The one thing that can keep us united is the love that God has brought for us. The love that he brings to you. Today, as we gather here today, we are truly united because we have a Lord that loves us. And the beauty of that is that as we go through the rest of this day, whatever your plans whether they're rather simple and just involve football and TV, or whether they're with family and friends in a big group, can't you take the love that you have received with you? Can you not share that love with, with those you are gathered around? And, and isn't that love what can draw them not only to you, but to the Lord? Isn't that the focus? Isn't that the place we are to look for our unity? In a Lord that loves us, who forgives us, he forgives us for our failure to thank. He forgives us for all of our failures. And in that love, he unites us to himself. One final thought about this is that this unity, this unity doesn't end. You see, a unity based on a Lord that is eternal, who has a love that is eternal, will not end. The unity of the leprosy, the difficulty, the suffering, that all disappears. It did for the lepers. It does in our world. But the unity you have with Christ is never going to end. He's never going to withdraw it. Nothing will be allowed to come between you and the love that Christ has for you. And as you share that with one another, this is a love we share not only this morning, not only this afternoon, not only next Sunday, but for eternity. As we are loved by our Lord for all eternity and we receive all the blessings that, that he so desperately wants to bless us with. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.